0: Well, hello everybody. This is Kurt Cavana, and welcome to this week's episode of Pursuit for Purpose. We're back for the next awesome conversation, and this week we're going to be talking about mental health in sports. If this is your first time listening, Pursuit for Purpose brings the world's most passionate athletes and the coaches together to share our goals and aspirations. By helping provide the teachings and the principles of the greatest minds before us and the greatest minds with us, The people around us will receive the foundations to build the rest of their lives and become champions of character. This week, we're joined by Jared Perkins. Jared does a great job of bringing the human element to the game. As a communications manager for Major League University, he shares about baseball and mental health. He helps highlight the need for attention to the mind as we compete in sports and life. He also is an analyst and writer for Prospects Live and also for Royals Farm Report. His experience has also seen him work in both MLB and the NCAA. As simply put in his Twitter, he helps share human side stories of athletes. Please welcome Jared Perkins. Jared, man, thanks a ton ton for taking your time with us today.
1: Yeah, Coach Kirk, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to join you. And I've seen a lot of the work that you do and the positive messages that you're sharing. And you talk about just being able to develop that healthy foundation for human beings. And I think that's key and core to a lot of, of what we do. So it's, I'm glad to be here and glad to just talk it up with you.
0: Absolutely, man. And, and again, you know, it's my pleasure to get a chance to chat with you. Uh, I, I love everything that Major League University is continuing to do. And uh, I know that there's a lot of good people Surrounding that entire organization, and uh, I love just continuing to see it grow and grow, and uh, the positive impact that you guys have, and, and the reach that you're having beyond just even the sport of baseball. Uh, you know, I, I I imagine that it'll it'll continue growing into just as many athletes in general and, and people that you guys can positively uh, make an impact on. So, uh, you know, I wanna I wanna I'm excited to chat because you know this side of the game means. So much more to me than the X's and O's of the sport, you know, the human side of the game and and mental health in general. And it might be a softball question to start things off, but but I want to know, take us through some of your journey to making the impact you get to make today and how mental health and the human side of sports came to be so important in your own life.
1: Yeah. So I, during the pandemic, I kind of went through some of my own, uh, mental health struggles and just kind of trying to figure out, uh, where to go from there. It's of course, started going to therapy and doing, uh, all the normal things. And then I started writing about baseball. I actually started writing originally, on uh, prospects and like fantasy baseball and things like that. But I, I felt like I was doing it more for just like clicks and things like that. And so I really, um, started to notice, uh, there was not much being talked about in terms of the humans behind the numbers. We all love to tweet about and talk about statistics every single day, what the players do on and off are on the field, but we never really want to talk about who they are as a person off the field. And I think that's what really kind of struck me as like, this is something that's kind of missing. Um, We don't, we, I think when I did an article for prospects live um, the one thing I noticed was a quote from Tyson Ross, where he said that people started, um, caring more about him as the athlete than the person. So they were basically interested in his success on the field and then necessarily didn't care about what was happening off the field. And I think that's something that all fans in the game, um, kind of fall into. And so that's where I really just started to develop this passion for starting to share these stories. Um, I started by looking at, um, athletes trying to find their identity outside of the game of baseball. And that's where I had the opportunity to interview Tyson Ross who pitched for the, the Padres and the Giants and a couple other teams and Ty Buttrey, uh, who pitched for the Los Angeles angels. And actually because of some struggles quit the game of baseball recently is starting to try to come back. Um, but I it just being able to share their journey was kind of really impactful for me. And now I've kind of turned it into a series. Um, I had a second article that came out looking at, career transitions for baseball players and the lack of support that there is at the major league level in order to help them like figure out what they're going to do next after baseball is over Um, and so then I'm going to kind of build off that and start doing some more features uh, featuring stories of different players have one in the works that hopefully we'll have out in the next couple weeks but it's it's just to me it's a passion it's like it's a side of the game that I love Um, I work on mental health care policy full-time and so finding ways that we can kind of highlight the human beings um, and really reflect on the people behind the sport that we love. Um, I think that's important, no matter what level it is, professional, college, high school, coaching staffs, everybody, the, everybody who surrounds the game and how important each individual human plays an aspect in that.
0: I think that's, that's beautifully put. And, and honestly, uh, thank you for sharing, you know, some of what, at that time in your life, you probably felt like were your own shortcomings. But now they're the things that are building you up. And you, you kind of find that strength in your own downfall to where you helped find your, your way out and got that attention that that you felt like you, you need. And, you know, I'll, I'll actually be asking a question more about that kind of stuff a a little bit later. But I love that. I don't love that it happened, had to happen to you. But I love that you grew through it. And, it's a hard thing that, that we go through as athletes big time. And, and we don't always ask for the help that we need, but you know, what is your favorite part about sharing the human side
1: of stories of athletes? Yeah, I think it's just the, I almost think it's like an outlet for a lot of the players who don't, yeah. nece- they're constantly getting bombarded by numbers, by the media asking why they didn't perform well on a certain day <laughs> um, by th- constant Twitter trolls and things like that that are coming at them for and their families are their friends and they just have no idea who the person is based on they just see what they see on the field and i think it's kind of it's awesome to hear the stories from those players and have the opportunity to share those stories because i think a lot of, like i said a lot of people forget that I, we got to interview uh brewer hickland for major league university and just a guy who went through some really major ups and downs um, throughout the 2021 season, thought he was on the fast track to the big leagues, had some massive struggles, kind of started questioning why was he playing the game of baseball. And um, he talked about how important the role his faith played and kind of helped him because he was losing his identity in the game. So if he had a bad performance, his his day was bad. If he had a good performance, his day was great. Um, And he's like, well, I finally found an outlet with faith and with um, family that I could really step back and just be like, there's so much more to me than this game. Whatever I do on the field, whatever successes I have are going to be great. And his one quote that really stood out to me is like, at the end of the day, the people that love you still love you, no matter how (laughs) you do that day. And I think that's, it's cool to hear those kind of stories and just be able to share them and just, it just reminds you that like no matter what level they're at professional they're all just human beings just like us they just play a game that we all love and they play it at a high level
0: right and 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 with that high level comes even more stress than the people that are playing it trying to even get to that level they're trying to maintain that level and not fall off that horse that they've been riding to the top of the mountain so i mean but i I love that you you put it in in the way of you know they're always getting hammered about the statistics. They're always being asked about well, what, what happened in this performance, but nobody really stops and asks, Hey, how are you? You know, yeah. that, that, that's not a, Hey, you had a rough game. Are you doing okay? You know, are, are you, you know, Hey, it's been a couple of rough outings. How's the mental health? You know, how's, yeah. how are you holding up? You know, what are you, what do you do in this standpoint to overcome a couple of bad games? Are you diving more into books? Are you diving more into like Nobody really cares about yeah. that. They just want to know, what results are you actually getting? So I think that's that's awesome, honestly as a as a person that you're helping give some of those guys that outlet because it might be the first time that they've been asked about that kind of thing. And and really they they might have needed it more than than they even knew to be able to have a chance to actually express that and and actually be uh you take that vulnerable vulnerability and actually let it out because man, once you put it out there, then it's either two sides of the coin, in, in my opinion, where somebody either says, oh, man, that's awesome strength that they they were willing to share it. Or somebody goes, oh, like mental health, you know, <laughs> yeah. what, what is that? You know, so it, it, it actually kind of makes me bring up just like we talk about it. You know, let's talk stigma. Why do we know it's so important to care about the mental health and the person behind the athlete and still have people act like it's eyewash?
1: I. I think this is something we work on in mental health policy. This is kind of goes back to my day job. It's we're making good strides in terms of destigmatizing mental health. I think we run into some issues, um, especially in rural areas where you have one behavioral health clinic and everybody's going to see you walk in that door. And so it's really hard to, to separate um, some of those stigmas that kind of surround it. I mean, I talked to my one of my really really close friends um, and kind of mentors. He runs a uh, a marriage and family therapy clinic in Nevada, and um, he has always kind of hit on to me like the importance of destigmatizing mental health. But he's like, it doesn't just start with destigmatizing it. He goes, you can destigmatize it and. Uh, it's great, there's more people are getting um, a positive impact by mental health. But if you don't start increasing access to that care, you don't start providing the resources that people need at every level. He's like, it's great that you're just stigmatizing it, but people still need access to that care. So once people are actually comfortable going to get that care, they still might not have that foot in the door just because of so many different issues related to the the mental health care system in the United States. I I think we have a we have a huge workforce shortage um, in terms of behavioral health providers. It's not a very high paying field. It's hard to get people to, to join it. Um, and so it, it's just like you you have to get a master's degree or a doctorate um, in that field, and it's it just it doesn't pay this, the same amount to, to make those people actually want to stick in and they get burnt out because I mean, when you're taking on everybody else's, um, <laughs> battles that they're going through, yeah, yeah. It, it gets tough. Right. It gets I tough. Can see that. And so, so there's just some of those things that kind of still stick around. Um, I think that though, the one thing that we really try to push for is you go and get a yearly physical. Why, what's, what's wrong with going to get a yearly checkup wow. on your mental wow. health? Wow, I mean, you're really t- you're willing to take care of every single physical injury <laughs> that comes your way, um, but yeah, we won't go and take care of mental injuries that not mental injuries, but like mental health battles that we're going through, because yeah, everybody's I mean, got something happening. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, I know, I know you said it as mental injuries, but essentially, I mean, at different points, it it is. I mean, you, yeah, you, you strained the mental muscle, you know, and and it's got to get stretched back out to get you back into a a perspective that can actually give you, you know, the advantages of what using your brain can actually yeah. bring because yeah. it's a pretty dang powerful tool that it has that power to build us up and tear us down all at that same time. And, and it's almost like, you know, practicing a, a bad habit. If, if you practice that habit of talking to yourself poorly long enough, mm-hmm. then you start to identify even as this negative portion of what you don't, you know, want to believe in. Uh, and I'll probably butcher the quote a little bit, but it's, um Zig Ziglar, I uh, believe says something along the lines of you can uh, only identify, you know, for so long, of, uh, I'm already going to butcher it for sure. But it, it's just that me- uh, aspect of, you know, you will start to believe what you think at a certain point. And yeah. if it's negative, you're going to believe that negative side as well. And once that happens, it's a whole reframe work of trying to get yourself back on the right track of, of thinking in the right way. And, and it's going to take professionals to, to give you that help and also come into your own terms of being willing to talk with that uh, to somebody. So, you know, can, I know you talked a little bit about going to therapy yourself and whatnot. What, what do you feel like are some of the, the best outlets to the access that is available to the athletes that they can kind of use as resources.
1: Yeah. So I think um, the one thing that a lot of professional teams are doing is they're implementing the mental performance coaches at the, the, the minor league level, the big league level. Um, those are good because one, those coaches are on the field. Um, they're not necessarily behavioral health providers, um, pro- like certified professional behavioral health providers. They're certified mental performance coaches, which is completely different. They're both, like two different fields on the same track going and down and down the same direction with the same goal. Um, but mental performance, are you trying to train your mind in order to perform better on the field where behavioral health providers are trying to help you with serious mental um, illness or things that you might be struggling with? Um, but the mental performance can, coaches can develop those relationships with players on the field. And I think that's important when you think about trying to get people into the door of behavioral health providers, A lot of times it takes someone that you can trust um, someone that you can feel like you can go to with things. So um, I think mental performance coaches can play a huge role in terms of being referrals uh, to uh, actual certified behavioral health providers. Um, The other thing is I think peer support specialists have always played a huge role when you're in a group of in peer support groups. So I think on college campuses, they've done a good job of, uh, this group called active minds. Uh, they try to bring peer groups together to just talk about mental health. And then it, they found out that that makes, um, students feel more comfortable in seeking out care and going out. And because they're in a group of their peers who are all going through some, maybe some of the same struggles. And when you have those kind of peer to peer conversations, um, it one informs people that it's okay to not be okay. And two, it helps provide them resources to figure out where they can go get help if they need help. And then, so I think those are some of the, the key steps for outlets. I think on college campuses and high school campuses, they've been implementing more Active Minds. So if you're an athlete, there's opportunities to go to there. Don't know really what's being done at the college level to address a lot of it. I know there's been a lot of more talks um, to do something. I know some schools are implementing uh, more behavioral health providers into their uh, athletic staff. Um, I know at the professional level, like the Kansas City Royals, they have a director of behavioral health and like an assistant director of behavioral health. Um, but at the college level, you think about sports in general, like your football teams got your big budgets, your basketball teams got your big mm-hmm. budgets. But you think about individual athletics like swimming, I mean, those individual athletes probably struggle the most with <laughs> mental health battles because you're competing against yourself yep. Yep. and everything's down to like a millisecond. Um, and so those, those programs don't have the same kind of budget in terms of, uh, being able to provide those kind of support. So it'll be interesting to see at the college level, what they can do to address it. Um, a lot of times it seems like the co- it falls on the coaches, um, mm-hmm. as they're the first ones, that are kind of the first line of defense because the players trust the coaches. Um, and they're they're not home with their families anymore. And who's the first person they're going to kind of go to? It's probably going to be their coach.
0: Well, I, I first got to just say thank thank you for providing some of those different outlets and places that people can go to seek that help. And they also thank you for the distinction between the two of where we talk about, you know, a, a mental performance coach, but also being that bridge to the behavioral, professional that's actually going to be somebody that can then take them the rest of the way um and and you're exactly right as well too when you talk about the fact that at especially at smaller colleges the coach is pretty much left to be that bridge yeah. and and to be that first year and they're serving as the coach and a mental performance coach and you know and at times trying to act like a behavioral health person but we got just as much problems as the kids so you know it's yeah you're, you're helping them with, through your own experiences and trying to point them there. But a lot of times it is just trying to encourage them if they need that outlet, but more colleges, especially, you know, I, I am seeing it um, at the small college level where they're starting to pay some attention to, to making that available. But again, you know, it doesn't matter if, if you do have somebody on staff, if you don't ask for the help, you can't get the help. So just has to be encouraged and and I think the way that you had said it with it's okay to not be okay is yeah. that is that first step in in helping them understand that we're here for you and we want to take in what you have have to say you know um you know given the chance to implement a mental health healthcare program into a, into a team if you had it what's an absolute that you suggest for a quality person you know for their mental care
1: yeah so um so, like in terms of like a college athletics program? Yeah, or... let's let's
0: use a college athletic program and and you got a chance to implement a, a mental health care program just as much as we we put in arm care routines and we put in hitting stations, you know, if you had a chance to just put in that mental health care program where where you're starting it even before you have a problem, you're trying to build yourself positively. You know, what's an absolute that has to go into that mental
1: care for yourself? Yeah. So I think this is like a little bit of a tough question, just uh, just because I'm not like a clinical certified of, of specialist. Course, so. Of course. Um, I don't want to like cross any lines here, but I would say the the couple things that I've kind of looked at in terms of the health policy angle. The one um, the one thing that they we they talk about is mental health education and adding that into curriculum, um, whether it's at the high school level or the college level or implementing training programs for teachers or coaches that can help them pick up signs, um, that they might need to pick up on student athletes. I think that's one way that we can really have some kind of impact. Those training programs, if they're done correctly and they're certified, because ever since mental health education curriculum has been, uh, there's been studies that show that at work, there has been a bunch of organizations, of course, that are all like, we're going to create our own mental health curriculum. And so it's trying to find those programs that are really, truly certified and have evidence based, not our research base behind them and make sure that they're actually providing high, the high quality needs and care that they need. Um, so I think that's one step is if you can provide that training to the teachers, to the coaches where they feel comfortable picking up those signs, I think that's huge. Um, something that the university of Georgia coach, uh, said the baseball coach, Scott Strickland said when he, we interviewed him is that he forces that student athletes to come in and talk to him one-on-one. He's like, like doesn't matter if we just talk about baseball. He's like, I don't care. But he goes, I know they're all dealing with something. And he said, they're not going to talk to me on the field in front of their peers. Um, (laughs) So I would just have them come in, sit down, talk. We'll just have a conversation. It can last five minutes. It can last a half an hour. Doesn't matter. And he goes, I would try to do that with everything. And he goes, I opened that door their freshman year, because if they knew they could do that and come to me their freshman year, if something happens their junior year, they're going to come because I know that door is open. So I think that's probably another thing. Um, Even if the coach doesn't know exactly what to do, because you're not trained to handle those situations, um, but at least he's got that open door policy. He can, if the campus has some kind of certified behavioral health, um, Provider on staff that he can just refer them to him, or he can call up that behavioral health provider and uh, make that connection. So those kind of things, I think, are are huge. Uh,
0: I I think that those two things are are awesome. When you just even you know say the education uh, behind it to 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 force us to to have to take it in, you know, it's I, I consider baseball to be a class. Yeah, you know, as we're going through college, I mean we're, we're teaching a class. It happens to be baseball, but there's other elements that are going into it. So I really like that aspect of, of kind of spoon feeding in a little bit, the, the education yeah. side behind things to be able to identify it. And then what you said about the university of Georgia coach, where, where you, you, you create that relationship where they have to now that you have to even be face-to-face eye to eye, see behind the eyes, see if there's something yeah. else going on because he might be that bridge that says, Hey, This this is this is different. Maybe day one you let it go, you know. But if it's a pattern where hey, this person seems like something's off, they're convert. You were able to actually establish that relationship with somebody to the point where you know how they interact with you, and if you start to notice the patterns and the signs, like you said, with even just any kind of education, um, you know, I think that that can really be something that allows them to point. And I imagine at a nice school like that, there's probably some resources and people available to help those those athletes. And, and so I, I think that's beautiful. And, and, you know, it's kind of been answered with what you had to say within a question that I want to ask, but I wanted to see if you wanted to elaborate on it further. But, you know, it's tough to speak up about what we deal with. How do we as coaches yeah. and guides help encourage athletes to get that actual mental health care they need?
1: Yeah, I think the, the one thing that, So we also interviewed uh, the Duke softball coach, Marissa Young, and she Mm -hmm. said that the one key thing for her, not necessarily to deal with mental health, but just relating to the humans in general, is just making sure her athletes know that she cares more about them than their performance on the field. Right. So everything that happens off the field is just as important as what they do on the field. And you looked at the ECU coach after they lost to Texas. He goes, I don't care. In any of my time while I'm here at ECU, if we went a college world series, he goes, I care more about developing these humans that are playing mm-hmm. for my team. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think things like that are, if you develop an environment where your players feel comfortable and they know that you care about them more as a person than just your performance on the field, you don't want to have a player scared to come talk to you about anything that they're dealing with off the field. Um, if they think that if they come to you, they're going to lose playing time or they're going to be punished for having anxiety or depression or things like that they're they're never going to come and come through that door right and so right. it's like it's about creating that environment where players can be can feel comfortable athletes in general no matter what sport you coach that they can feel like they can come to you or if they're having a problem or a struggle and they need to sit out or something like that a practice that they're not going to get punished because they're having an anxiety attack that day and they can't make practice and all of a sudden that if you start to punish them for that then what what kind of what kind of uh, uh, direction are you setting for the rest of the, the team? So I think that's some of the things that t- coaches can think about.
0: Uh, I uh, again I I think that's just beautifully said, especially when you just talk about if they if they have to feel like they can't come to you with that, then then they can't actually share anything, and if they're going to yeah. be punished for their weaknesses. It's kind of almost our job to turn their weakness into a strength into where, hey, we, we we want to empower you for being honest with yourself about this process that you're going through. And you know, you, you touched a lot on in these last couple of minutes on why I want to coach. I yeah. love baseball, but I don't consider myself a baseball coach. I want to be a, a people coach. You know, I want to yeah. I want to help the person more than I care about anything that happens. Baseball is our vehicle that we get to learn and grow together through. And if we develop people, then I truly believe that there is no choice that what they pour themselves into will become great. And that happens to be baseball that we're working on in this situation. But I don't want them to be identified as only an athlete. And then when they fail at their sport, then they're left with nothing to stand on because they've identified as nothing else in life, and and I speak at that from unfortunate um, experience of where I was a college athlete and I let my grades fail me, and I was only identified as an athlete, and then ultimately when I had nothing left to stand on, I hid in plain sight for ten years. Yeah, because I I just. I couldn't overcome, you know, my own, my own adversity that I was faced with. I tucked my tail and ran and Mm -hmm. I I lied to myself. I lied to myself for 10 years that, you know, I talked to somebody about wasting a scholarship. Oh, it didn't even matter. I didn't like football anymore. (laughs) It's like, Oh, the coach made it no fun. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy with what I'm doing. And then on the back end of it, now finding my way out, doing the things that I've done, I'm able to openly speak about it a little bit more transparently and and honestly with myself to say like, no, like that was, I was lying to myself big time. I was pretty miserable for sure. But I, I just don't want these kids to have to, to go through that. And, and they're still going to, but I want yeah. them to know that there are people there on the other side of, of their pain that want to see them grow into the, the contributor that they're supposed to be. Because again, sports is a vehicle to, to kind of give us an edge on the competitiveness of, of life. Of, mm-hmm. And if, you know, I've said it often, but it's, if we're not taking the, the disciplines and life lessons that we learn in our sport, whatever it is, and applying those same, you know, that same discipline it takes to get better at your sport and applying it back to your education, your spirituality, yeah. your, your fitness, your nutrition, your, your family relationships then what is the point of why we're learning how to deal with these issues in sport? So uh, I just, I just want them to be the whole person and, and then that's going to make them a major leaguer in whatever they go in and do, because we both know the percentages of people that are playing any sport are minuscule at best that they're going to be the top notch professional and not even just a professional an actually paid professional. Yeah. You know, there's people that go pro that's still, it doesn't mean that you were got rich. Cool. You, you made it pro you got your cup of coffee. You're not some rich human being. You're still a regular Joe, just like anybody else. You just worked in a field of the highest level and now you got to do it again in another career transition. So I think yeah. it's interesting as you know, you talked about um, already that, that career transition aspect uh, you know, tell me why, why that's a little bit important to yourself um, in terms of kind of identifying uh the career transition of athletes into the real world
1: yeah i think that so i worked uh, on this piece with a professor dr caleb bezzy um he's a professor i can't remember the university but he's also created a program called grit and glue um and so he did his whole entire dissertation on career transitions for baseball players you notice that in a lot of sports they had programs in place in order to help them transition to the next career they have those career transitions at the college level at some universities as Mm -hmm, well mm -hmm. there's like nothing for baseball and so he started interviewing players for his dissertation kind of asking them what what were some of the biggest things that they were seeing during that career transition I think a lot of them a couple of them said that they just felt like everything was gone that Mm -hmm. as soon as they were released whether it was from the big leagues or from the minor leagues just everything that they knew was gone i think austin has even talked about it a little bit and when he got released from the diamondbacks he's like everything that you were going for and aiming for like your whole life was revolved around that sport he's like even and the one thing that caleb as he touches on too is that the even the guys who have a full length like 15 year career they're still retiring in their mid thirties My life isn't over. And so right. it's right. It's oh, like one of those things where it's just, there's no emphasis on that. And um, one of the pieces that I'm kind of working on next is uh, Mark Tian used to play for the Kansas city Royals and played uh, for a while in professional baseball. He opened up a wine bar in Arizona recently, and he's made a transition to being a small business owner finishing off his college degree, things like that. And it's it's kind of one of those things that's daunting for players. It's like, what are you going to do next? You've made tons of money, depending on how long your career was, of course, but you potentially have made tons of money in baseball, but there's still a life after the game. And so trying to figure out what drives you, um, I think that's one thing I noticed uh, one of the coaches, I can't remember who it was, but he said he makes his team come together and has each player talk about what drives them, not in the game of baseball, but in life. So they can really reflect at times that there are other things that are happening in their life that make them who they are. The game that they're currently playing and have the privilege to play at a B1 level doesn't define who they are as a person. And I think that's when you think about transitions in life and career transitions and like your career and whether you're in professional sports or just work in the real world. Your career doesn't define who you are as a human. It's part of who you are, but it's not everything that your successes and your failures at your job doesn't represent who you are. And so it's like trying to separate from that and just thinking holistically about everything that we have going on in our lives and what that all means to us. And like some people are fathers, they're brothers, they're, um, they're entrepreneurs. They do things outside of the realm of their career. And so how, how do we make sure that everybody focuses on their whole self and not just one part of themselves?
0: I've said it too many times already today, but beautifully said, man. I mean, really, uh, again, just the, the, the whole holistic person approach. And I, I probably said it too many times myself, but it goes right on with it. It's just, we're not all going to get drafted by the Yankees but we are all going to yeah. get drafted in life and yeah. what we do isn't really important. I think it's how we do what we do. And that's why yeah. it's not important, you know, as again, something that I've said too often is, as you know, what my favorite definition of success is from Earl Nightingale is, you know, the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. So just to anybody, it's how you do what you're doing for whatever you believe in is going to determine whether or not you're a major leaguer in what you care about, you know, and, and whatever it's going to be, put all of your effort that's going to put you in the, in the best position forward. And that's why yet we can't control who moves on to the next level after college, even who moves on from the next level after high school to college, to college, to professional, from professional to major league professional where you're getting paid i mean we see that these guys in major league baseball they're getting paid most of the time for the work they've already done not Mm -hmm. really for the work that they're currently doing it's the seven years that they've already served that organization and now they've gotten that big paycheck but they had to stay 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 the course to be able to uh to to get to that thing but and then they're still going to transition into into real life and we got to assume that they're going to take that same work ethic that it took to get to there. And, and I hope that they learn their own lessons in that time to know now I'm, I'm going to be a major leaguer and whatever I do, because I know what it takes to get to the top of yeah. whatever I'm working, working towards. And I'm sure it's easier for somebody that's had success, but have you found in in interviews or even in some of your, your reading about that transition that it seems to be the people that that made it but didn't quite make it, that seemed to struggle the most with thinking that they didn't make it or start to beat themselves up from a mental health standpoint.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's I think like back then to kind of looking at the transitions. I mean, there's guys who had 10 plus year careers and they still struggled to figure out what they were gonna do next. I mean, you 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 blink and your career's over in baseball, right. basically. Or they go bankrupt. You know, yeah. I mean. Yeah. And so I think uh, I, I'm sure the guys who don't make it uh, do struggle a lot more. I mean, you're just kind of told next thing you know, you walk in the locker room, there's no nameplate there, and you get called <laughs> in the coach's office and you get sent home. And it's just like – and for them, it's like they didn't even get a taste of the goal that they were going after. So I think for them, they even left college early, um, haven't gotten their college degree <laughs> yet, spent three years in the minor leagues. Um and it's like the base, I think a lot of the baseball teams, they, if they draft them out of high school, they'll provide college education for them. If they don't make it But like the guys who come out of college have a year left. I don't think they get those, those same incentives. If you're a, a senior and because you were playing baseball for four years and you still have a couple classes left, you don't finish those classes and get drafted you just kind of go and get drafted. Then you have to go back and you get released, got to finish those classes. So I think there's, is that kind of element too as well and it's it's got to start i think early when you think about career transitions like before they even get drafted to the pros they should be thinking about career transitions and find and one of the biggest things in a career transition is finding your identity finding what you're passionate about finding the mm-hmm. things that you love to do outside of the game and if you can identify those early on before you even get drafted like Baseball, you can have a different perspective on it. You can go, oh, this is just something I do because I love it and I like to go out and compete and I want to go win baseball games. But I have all these other things that I care about and love that if this doesn't work out, then I have another path.
0: Right. Speaking of it, you know, identity and everything that we're speaking of, Jared, what's your purpose?
1: Yeah, I think for me, I got into working in public policy um, because I wanted to do public service and give back and help people. Um, That's part of the reason I got into it. It's part of the reason I ended up at the organization I did. Um, I was in kind of partisan politics for a while and it just didn't fit my personality so much. And so I tried to find an organization where I could stay out of more of the politics side and work on the policy and actually try to get things done and help people. And so just trying to find ways that through all the craziness of the world, what are ways we can have impact on people? And I think I started doing the baseball riding and started to do the major league university stuff because their policy takes a while to get done. At Capitol <laughs> Hill. And so uh, when it does happen, it's great. It's amazing. And it's, it's just kind of beautiful to see. And same at the state level, like those things happen at the state level that it will be impactful and help people. Um, but the opportunity to kind of do the major league university things, it's just, you can see the on the ground impact on a daily mm-hmm. basis. And mm-hmm. so um, just having that opportunity to have that as an outlet, when I get done with my nine to five, just being, cause I used to coach baseball and kids and things like that. When you have that on the ground impact, you can see the impact you're having on kids. I mean, it's, it's something that really just feels good and you feel like you're helping the next generation. So when you're not here anymore, that you have the opportunity to kind of pass it down to somebody else.
0: I, I love it. And I think that's a very noble, very noble purpose to be able to have. And it takes the people on the ground floor, like you said, to even writing the policy and, and knowing that stuff doesn't come overnight, but it takes consistent action, reframing, reintroduction, in, and yeah. getting knocked down and saying, okay, we didn't get this through yet, but how do we reframe this to? bring another element that makes it unpass, you know, they can't pass on it, that it's so obvious that it's going to be there. And, and again, also just being able to have that, that direct impact. And, and I think it's the people behind the scenes like yourself that are working on things like policy that you, that is so important, but you're not going to get the credit, but the people yeah. are going to see the benefits and reap the rewards of the access that's provided of the different things that are there. And uh, you know, it, it, It reminds me of uh, some different stuff that, you know, you you face life's adversities and you, you go through and have to face medical issues that families go through and whatnot. And there was different perspectives that I was given and different times of having to sit there and watch these machines and just go, wow, like so many people have put in the work behind the scenes to bring this stuff to life. Nobody knows their name. Nobody knows what it is, but yet we're glorifying athletes and we're glorifying these for the 100 mile an hour fastball that they did but they don't know what about the 100,000 lives that they've changed from participating yeah. in youth clinics because i'm sure even as these athletes go those are probably some of the most rewarding experiences when you can have direct impact on the kids when when they don't care how far you've ever gotten into a career how much money you've mm-hmm. ever made but you made them feel like a million dollars so I mean yeah. that makes you you know a real think- millionaire when it when it comes down to these different things. So I I think that's awesome that you're you're doing those, the, uh, got your boots on the ground and actually at at the at the changing level of bringing things to life. And and I appreciate that because. Right now, all I got is uh, words on a screen and and sharing some stuff from the heart. But I mean, it, you know, there's a, there's a bigger, different level to all of that stuff, and and it takes people like you who are really willing to actually put in that work. So I mean, please, please keep pouring it in and, and fighting the the giants of that that might just not understand the the impact that this stuff can make.
1: Yeah, and I, I appreciate you having me on, be able to talk about these things. And it's just you hit it on the head too when you talk about just the impact that the athletes have when they go back and they do these youth camps. And you think that's all minor leaguers. Those are the guys that are going back to the communities. They're going back into providing to the next generation and trying to teach them the skills of baseball. And it's like, they're the one that's they're They're the ones that really grow the game because they're the ones that are back in their community. And they kind of get overlooked a lot of the times because they're not at the highest level. They're not getting paid tons of money to be on the big screen but they're the ones going back to their community. They're giving lessons. They're trying to find a way to impact kids on the ground. Um, and so I think they get a little bit overlooked sometimes. But
0: I, I, I think you're right. I mean, and just even from a standpoint of, you know, coaching a college summer team and some of these guys that ranges from all different levels, but we're in a unique little situation where we get to have five, 600 fans at home games and different stuff when we're playing in one of some of our nicer ballparks. And it doesn't matter if that kid has never stepped on the field in a college uniform. If they make that kid's day, they walk away being that kid's favorite player. You sign a baseball, you do these things. So, I mean, it goes both ways there. They get to feel awesome and, and valued as an athlete that they hope to maybe become or keep working towards. And a kid just gets to feel like they were, you know, that they were given that attention by somebody that, they hope to one day be in their same shoes. And so I I think that that almost working relationship between players and, and the youth is, is something special that, uh, that it it is something special that I'm just in awe when I get to see Austin working with these kids, when I get to see major league university working with these kids, because that's where the seed, needs to be planted that these things are that important it's tougher for us at this age to try to get somebody 100 on board to say it's time to think about how you talk to yourself it's time to think about maybe writing some things down and it's like what no i've never done that and i've gotten here it's like well if you want to go farther there's Mm -hmm. other elements that that can make that so i mean i think it's a great thing that you guys are already doing at that age to to help be the shift of the stigmas because now they'll grow up knowing, no, 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 no this is commonplace. We, we talk yeah. about this stuff. We work through our problems. We have routines to slow ourselves down and do these different things that, that bring us to a center that allow clear focus, because that's the change that happens in the real world. When you're making tough decisions, when you're in the midst of whatever career that might be something as as much as, I mean... just throwing it out there, but there's service things of police and firefighters and EMTs and these different things. Well, what if those kids, those professor professionals in that industry were athletes who understood how to slow their life down and focus Mm -hmm. on something in the moment and go back to their training or have a planned routine? Like, I I think that's where a lot of this stuff with, with the youth in sports and growing the game through that way can be a, a tremendous game changer. So I just, I, I, I just applaud everything major league university is continuing to do and, and hope that, uh, you know, it continues to grow into the vision that you guys are, are casting together and, and continuing to just bring together good, good people to, to move the game forward and people's lives forward.
1: Yeah. And we appreciate that. And you, I hope that you keep sharing the messages of that you're doing every day. Cause I think everybody looks at those and has an impact, whether it's one person or two people, just being able to do those kind of things that you do, I think is, is huge. So. I appreciate I, us I, having this conversation with you and just being able to talk. It's been a lot of fun.
0: I appreciate that as well, too. I want to kind of not necessarily take us out with it, but I wanted to ask, is there a particular human side story that you can share with us that can be something that connect with uh, with somebody listening?
1: Yeah, so I think the, the one that kind of hit me the most, I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but was Brewer Hicklin with the Kansas City Royals. He made his debut this year um i did a story on him for royals farm report about kind of the struggles that he went through in the 2021 season like i said he was on the fast track to the big leagues he thought he was ready to go and he was watched every hitter around him in double a in 21 21 was raking and he was like the only one in the entire lineup that was slumping at the time and so he struggled to get himself out of his mindset and he just called the coach one of his mentors in korea because he just was at his wits end basically (laughs) and just had a conversation with him um and the next day I think he said he went three for four with like a home run and it's just he shifted his entire mindset um he took a different perspective to the game and I think that's the biggest thing to kind of take away from his story he went from like my daily routine everything I do revolves around how well I play to being like my family is important my faith is important to me Um, The things I do outside the clinics I host for kids, those things are important to me. And so he took a perspective shift and found things outside of the game that were more important to him. And then to him, like the successes that come with trying to make to the big leagues, those are just like icing on the cake to his entire life. So it's just like he made his major league debut this year. He got to finally play in the major leagues. Uh, He started raking as soon as he got to triple a this year um, got the call up. I think he like went up for a couple of games to fill in for an injury, but he he made it. And so mm-hmm. there's, a, there's an opportunity for him to have an impact potentially at the major league level. And um, he's just gone in with a completely different mindset. And he's just shifted uh, his, his thinking around the game and this perspective on what baseball means to him. Um, he still, of course, loves the game and is passionate about it, but it's a different kind of love and a different kind of passion.
0: That's that's. Awesome and and a fantastic, you know, human story to share behind the athlete of what makes the person the person And, and I appreciate you sharing his perspective of what has helped him because I promise there's too many athletes out there who are in the midst of struggles right now who are trying to find their way out through mechanics through yeah. th- through a, a fundamental aspect of the game where it's like no the way out isn't through there the way out is through your mind through your perspective mm-hmm. through through your mindset shift and, yeah. uh, and so i i really appreciate you you bringing that to attention right there and and uh you know i want to give you an opportunity to please uh you know share anything that 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 you have in terms of um You know how how anybody could follow what what you're doing, uh, other stuff that you're working on. Please get give us anything that we can so that we can make sure that uh, we continue following that uh, everything that you're doing.
1: Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at jaredcp1, that's kind of where I post all my content. I don't, I used to tweet a lot about baseball, now I kind of just share my articles and things like that, um, just to stay off of Twitter a little bit more. But, um, (laughs) I blog for Major League University, try to do some articles around, um, uh building a foundation uh finding your identity those kind of things more not related necessarily to athletics but just kind of performance things uh the importance of positive self talk like you had talked about early on um then anything i do in terms of like uh human side stories are usually with prospects live um, and then I do a little bit of a scouting and analysis of the college game minor league level there. Um, and then finally just cover the Royals for minor leagues for Royals farm report. That one's more of a, just a fun writing where I just kind of share um, just some analysis of the Royals minor league system as a Royals fan. So.
0: Well, it seems like it. And I mean, you guys get a chance to talk with some of these guys from the Royals organization as well too. So, I mean, just seems like there are a lot of good, good dudes in that organization who are willing to also speak about, uh, these different elements as well too, that make them people behind the athlete. So yeah. I mean uh, I, I appreciate you sharing that and appreciate you you' taking your time with us uh, today and and just you know sharing sharing you know your passions uh, about what you care about and how it's connected back to the game, but also is bigger the game bigger than the game and makes you the person behind what you're sharing as well. So uh, again, thank you for your time and, and appreciate getting a, a chance to grow with you today, and and make myself a little bit better, and and have some shift of my own perspectives just by having this conversation. So, uh, uh, again, I can't thank you enough for for helping me get a little bit better today, and and I hope that anybody listening uh, gets to feel the same way.
1: Yeah, and no, I thank you as well. I really appreciate this conversation, and man, it was a lot of fun. And just it, I enjoy these things a lot, just being able to talk about this. So, uh, keep doing what you're doing, and keep crushing it.
0: I appreciate that. All right, I'll see you soon and uh, see everybody next week. Take care.